0: You are now listening to the Film Situation podcast, and I'm so excited to have Jessica Schur on the Film Situation podcast. Welcome.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. It's good to see you at the end of the table.
0: It is. Yeah, we first met at Yofi Fest. Shout out to Yofi. It's Yofi. A, it's a. I love Yofi. It's. A- you
1: sure, it's Yofi, not Yofi. I kept saying Yofi, but I think it's Yofi. It's
0: definitely Yofi. Okay, for sure. Although Albanians would say Yofi. Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, that's, um, I'm 100% positive it's YoFi. I'm <laughs> so glad we met there. <laughs> 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 Just
1: six months later we're at the end of the table together. It's great.
0: That's true. Yeah. I know. It's hard to actually, I feel like this year is flying by so fast. Do you yeah, feel that way?
1: I do. I had to say to myself, it's like already summer and I haven't done any summer activities yet. I've got to start. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: So I guess give us a little bit of an introduction about yourself, Jess.
1: Yeah, so I'm an actress and a writer and a producer, and I would call myself an artist. Like, I truly feel like I have to create and a c- content creator of sorts. I would be a filmmaker and a playwright as well. And uh, most people know me for a show that I do called Betty Davis Ain't for Sissies. It's a solo show about the actress Betty Davis that I've done for over 10 years, over 400 shows. <laughs> wow,
0: that's impressive. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. It
1: is. It's a longstanding engagement with myself of truly... A labor of love but also a great challenge so i have that going on
0: and I, I, i'd like to unpack that a little bit w- was it you that first conceived of the idea
1: what happened was someone in 2008 dared me to write a solo show it was like back then when solo shows were like the thing before there were podcasts and web series there was solo shows so i had this mentor and he's look kid if you're in new york you got to do a solo show i dare you and i was like oh really fine <laughs> and so i took the dare and i was gonna do like funny jessica in new york and then I was walking around 2008. People would stop me in the street and be like, you look like a young Betty Davis. And I was like, what? Fine. So
0: there was more than one person that said that? More
1: than one. That's why it was uncanny. There was more than one. And it was happening like weekly. It was weird. It was the strangest thing. Like, I'd be like, don't stop. What? What? It was just this one year that I looked a lot like a young Betty Davis. I had big eyes. And there was one guy who stopped me on the subway. And when he said it, it was just so uncanny. I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to Google her face. And I did. And I did look like a younger Betty Davis. And I was like, that's strange. And then I read her Wikipedia and I was like, whoa. She's badass. Oh, am I allowed to say that? Of course. Yeah, you could say, you could
0: curse. Yeah, whatever.
1: (laughs) I can do whatever I want. Yeah. But she was just badass, and she was she was such a trailblazer. And I didn't know that about her. And I thought that's really intriguing, cool that I look like her. Didn't think anything of it until I was in a class, and in class you had to do a famous person, and I was going to do Lucille Ball because I'm a funny redhead. But then this Betty thing was like ruminating, and I ended up doing a little snippet of Betty Davis in her life in 1939. And in the class, it turned into these little mini solo shows. So I was doing about 20 minutes of Betty Davis's life in 1939, and I never expected it to go further than that. But the mentor came, he saw my little off-Broadway show, Off Off-Broadway. I did 13 Saturdays, oh gosh, 2010, and it just took off. Like I did the show, he saw it, the mentor's like, I'm done. But then I kept bursting with ideas, and it's been epically over 10 years of performances around the world. And wow. yeah, it's cool. What
0: other countries have you been so to?
1: I've been to Scotland three times, Edinburgh, Scotland, to the Fringe Festival three times. That's amazing. It. Yeah, That's amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. London, I got a run in London. I was given two runs in Chicago. I've been in, around the country to performing arts centers, anywhere from 300 to 1,000 seat theaters. It's incredible how much the show has grown. And just that little, it was like a seed of an idea way back in 2008 when I got a dare. So I always tell people, like, if people dare you to do something, do it.
0: Yeah, I love that, actually. And I think it's a testament that at first, it, I'm sure it was something out of your comfort zone.
1: Oh, and, I still am so freaked out. Like, every time I do a show, I'm like, what am I doing? Are you crazy? What are you Okay, I, I, I
0: actually really appreciate you saying that. Because to me, that's a sign that you care about what you do. When... Uh, I know people that are really good at what they do. They see, actually they say that Steven Spielberg, have you ever heard this? That he vomits in a garbage can every time before he makes a movie. And at some point he had an interview in 2008 that in early on in his career, he was doing that. Like he would be so nervous that he would be vomiting. He was like early in my career, I was doing this. He's like, and then later in his career, he said it started happening again. Interesting. And to me, I just take that to mean like you really care about what you do. And I, so I think that's awesome.
1: Yeah, because there's some weird actor, producer, all those nerves that of wanting to do something and doing it good, but also like growing within where you are, because you're always at a different place in your career. So you just have to be where you are. But as I get further along in my career, like I'm more confident, but I still have nerves all the time.
0: Yeah, totally understandable. And where did you study acting?
1: So I went to the Wynn Hammond Theater, Wynne Hammond Studio, and Wyn Hammond Acting Studio, he was a legend of New York City back when, back in the way, way back. He's actually the one who started off Broadway. He had a place called American Place Theater, and the American Place Theater was really a place for artists and actors who had stuff to do that wasn't Broadway. His goal was to do anything that Broadway didn't want to do, he wanted to produce. So he was the truly the person who started off-Broadway. And Sam Shepard started with him, Eric Bogosian, like a lot of really, ironically, solo show artists. So in that environment, I was studying just scene study, but I was also in an environment where solo shows were really prominent. And I was hearing a lot of stories about all the people that he had directed. So I was going to give up my solo show, the Betty Davis show. I, I kind of got to a point where I was like at a, like a standstill. But then I brought a piece of it into his class. And he said, take a piece of her book and do it in class. And I did a scene about her father coming to see her in a play and how the father just didn't really, he passed her up. And that I realized was like the spine of Betty Davis. She's this woman who's always fighting for her father's love. And then I have my own issues. It was like, wow, that kind of worked. Like it just all blended together. So I was really lucky to study with Wynn. He would basically have his students study with the best of the best. He loved, he loves good playwrights. He's now passed away during COVID, but he was 50 some odd years of teaching. Wow. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So he was, uh, he taught Sam Shepard.
1: Yeah, he would do Sam Shepard. He would do, he loved really well-written material. If he brought in a Bogosian or a Sam Shepard or any of those playwrights that were like, just really good for the actor to have good text. He loves good text. And as an actor, I feel like if you work with really good text, you get better faster. I love Tennessee Williams. Like he loved Tennessee Williams. There was just so much in that environment of good work and I always say, I wish all the big producers could have come into those classes because they would have seen such good work, but it was a a private place. It was a place to just study. And I was there twice a week for five years. And then I left for a little bit and I went back right before pandemic. I actually went back because I was like, he's now 97. I want to make sure that I'm still studying with him. And he would have, I think if it wasn't COVID, he would have continued to teach until he was 105.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You had a lot of vitality. So
1: much. It yeah. really is a testament. If you love what you do, it never gets old. 50-some odd years of teaching, like, through every generation. It's, it was a really special environment. I feel very lucky to have been in that. And that was kind of an like early younger person of a person who's coming to New York and studying. And, uh, yeah, he, was, he is very special.
0: Now, was he teaching the Stanislavski-based approach to acting?
1: No, he was more, he doesn't like to call it Meisner, but it would have been, he actually studied, he was Sandy Meisner's right hand at the Neighborhood Playhouse. So he did all that. Like, he was Sandy's assistant. And then he became his own kind of, he had his own way of doing. But he, it was all about being real in the moment. But he would have, it would have been more on a Meisner sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I recently read Sandy Meisner's book, Or one of his books about acting. Yeah. Yeah. It was really interesting. They were good. They were good. (laughs) And actually, I listened to the audio book. I'm an Audible junkies. Nice. I love Audible. Nice. They don't sponsor the (laughs) podcast. They should, though. Just (laughs) wait. Sponsored by Audible. Which is, I just find it's an easy way for me to, because I'm traveling a lot or I'm in the car, and then that's on the train, and it's it's a way to just be able to ingest books.
1: That's good. That's good because books are good. I love books. You ever listen to books? I do. I listen to books and I read them, but I definitely nowadays with being so busy, the audible book makes more sense. Yeah. (laughs) Just like listening to and being able to do things as New York, you're busy here. It's a busy place. Very busy. And time
0: (laughs) just seems to evaporate. Yep. I ran
1: out yesterday of time. I was like, where's the time? (laughs) It's gone.
0: (laughs) And you also have a comedic sense because I saw your, your short films at Yo-Fi and and so tell me a little bit about like your comedy background as well.
1: Yeah, I'm naturally funny. Like I just lucked out. I'm just a funny gal. <laughs> but I, I, New York is interesting too because it takes a little time. It's such a serious place, New York. But there's a lot of comedy and a lot of humor. And I when I started to do my own independent filmmaking, I wanted to focus on comedy because it's, it's it's just, it's a fun way to, to if you're going to create your own work anyways, why not laugh while doing it? So I have a group of friends who ironically also study with Wynne Hanman, and we had the, it was like HBO Women in Comedy had like a contest. And so it was uh, me, Laura Dowling Shea, and Jessica, Jessica Green decided to work on a little short, like short prompt for this thing, and it, it turned out to be in this really nice short film called scratch this and we took it around and everyone loved it and it was about these three women kicking the living bejesus out of each other like one punches each other one slams each other down on the face and then kicking and people love to see this comedy of women kind of like fighting each other and after we did our first year of that little scratch this We realized people really loved it, so we raised money, and we did the crowdfunding, and we raised money enough so we could do three more episodes, and those are the episodes you saw. And what was really cool is that during that crowd-raising-money thing, one of Jessica Green's friends was like, hey, I have a house in the Hamptons. You can just use it. So that became our set. We had literally... A week to do what we wanted to do at that house. So we wrote three episodes around. We had the swimming pool. We had the tennis court. We had the beautiful house. So we just wrote comedy around the house. That's perfect.
0: And that's perfect. smart screenwriting for all you indie filmmaker, aspiring indie filmmakers. Because I always say if you have access to things as an indie filmmaker, you have to use those things. For example, a good friend of mine owns a wine store. On Arthur Avenue like Ooh. absolutely I'm gonna have scenes that have a wine store like I had in my feature film the trouble or other w- earlier works that I did
1: yeah, it really helps some friends also gift it because they're part of the project too. You create, you're creating a filmmaking community which filmmakers have to remember you have to ask your friends for help. Oh, you point. have to. Yeah, you <laughs> like, have to
0: not be shy to call in every favor. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's times
1: where the locations don't work out and then you have to have your backup locations Like you hear that as indie filmmakers a lot where, yeah, I had this gas station locked down and then, then the gas station blew up. They're like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> do you have something else?
0: <laughs> then it yeah. blew up. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah no, It happens. That kind of thing happens all the time. Was everything smooth sailing when you guys were filming at your friend's location? No. (laughs) Okay, so so it's not just me.
1: (laughs) No. Yeah, it's like indie. There's just so many things that go wrong. Oh God. You can't. You just. You have to go with it. You yes and it as much as you can. Yes and it's a golden opportunity. But there were just there was a ton of stuff. Every I think every indie film project I've ever done has got like a host of wacky things that in real life don't happen. But yeah, we had issues and ultimately it made it stronger. In the end, we had so much resilience, I would say, but the project itself, originally we had written out 10 episodes and we could afford to do three. But as a filmmaker, you want to make so much, but you realize there's only so much money. Like you yeah. eventually run out <laughs> and then you have to be like, people are like, when are you going to make the rest of your 10 episodes? I'm like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Soon. <laughs> 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 <Ba-dum-bum>. <laughs> yeah.
0: So if you'll bankroll it, then yeah. we'll make it sooner.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But that was fun. We got to go all over that particular, because it was a web series, it was, had a different kind of run, which is good for people to know too. As a filmmaker, you have the short film world, but then you have the web series world, which is a different kind of world. There's a bunch of folks and films, film festivals that just focus on that. And we had a one, I was in Miami, we went, one of them went to Italy. We could have gone to Greece. There was a lot of opportunities to show your work and be in amongst other people who are doing like short film content but a bunch of it which is a lot of work
0: yeah and it's a small world so small it's such a small i'm sure i mean we already know people in common but i'm sure there's even more people if we start going through the names and i'm sure you've been going to festivals and seeing familiar faces and things yeah. like that
1: yeah I love the festival part of it it's funny I was looking at the hashtag I was at I have another film now that we'll get to but I'm now doing like my new hashtags I and was like film festival season I was like yeah film festival season there was yeah. just a whole world of the film festival because it's making your film is definitely one part but then submitting your film is another part Absolutely. and then physically going to these festivals is this whole other part and I always feel like it's like a mini camp weekend when you go to a festival. It's like, camp starts on Thursday, ends on Sunday. So sad to see my friends go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I love watching. To me, that's my favorite part of the process, like watching – the work on the big yeah. screen with an audience. Yeah. Th- that's laughter something special, right?
1: With an audience is so different than your friends watching it, like laughter. Yes,
0: I agree. I know one time when I first, it was an earlier short film that I made called The People Watchers. And I went through the festival run or did friends and family sort of screenings. And it was this film that I made that took place in the Lower East Side of Manhattan about yeah. this couple that was just watching different people walking down the street. And then they're coming up with stories about what's going on with these people. As they're walking down the street, and then we're like depicting the stories. Yeah, yeah. And I remember one time screening for an audience where people were really laughing. I'm like, I don't even know anybody here. This is uh, freaking amazing.
1: Yeah. It's weird you know? too, because I don't know why laughter of audience is so important to an artist. You're like, I'm funny. They're laughing at me. Like, how is that great? But it is. There's something very satisfying about knowing collectively they all got it.
0: Yeah. And different audiences will respond in different ways. Yeah. I'm sure you've experienced it's that. Weird. It's weird. They'll it's, laugh at different things or yep. respond to different things or sometimes yep. they're yep. very serious at one screening and then yeah. everybody's just letting loose at another one.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a culture. The audience culture. Hashtag audience culture. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: laugh at my film. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your background growing up. Did You, you grew up in California, right? I,
1: I did. So I grew up in California and San Diego. And actually, eastern San Diego is a place called El Cajon, California, which is eastern San Diego. And it's it's called The Box, is what El Cajon means. I knew as soon as I could get out of the box, I would. That's and cool. Yeah, my dad's originally from the Bronx, New York. Oh, so no hey. Yeah. Oh, I'm from crazy? the Bronx, too. Hey, yeah. Yeah, Jerome Avenue and 250th.
0: Oh, okay, cool.
1: Yeah, so, that's, my, so my dad, though, did the opposite. He left he left the bronx to go to california and he met my mom and he never left but i always had this interest in i don't know it was something a calling to me like i have a kind of a deeper personality so california to me was a little bit light and feathery which is nice it keeps me a little light and feathery but i also had this this drive to to do more than just go to the beach, which I love. I surf. I love the beach. I'll probably go tomorrow to Rockaway. Like, nice. I love the beach. Yeah. But in California, I felt like I wasn't able to really find my people. So I was curious. I was like, I'm just going to try East Coast, see what happens. Yeah. And I loved it. I've been here now 22 years. But, like, I went to UC Santa Barbara. I did I did junior theater, which is the big thing in California. In San Diego, it's called Junior Theater for Kids. Yeah. And there's this thing called Starlight that I did that was, again, theater that whenever there was an airplane flying on. Above us, because it's an outdoor amphitheater, you'd have to pause, wow. and you just pause. Interesting. And then, yeah, we had a light. We had yellow. We had a. It was yellow. What was it? Not yellow. It was green, yellow, red light. And so the person who was running the show, if there was a plane, they would stop it, and you'd watch the lights, and we would back to the screen, go. But if you're in the middle of a dance, you kept dancing. Okay, got you. But lines, you just pause.
0: That's so interesting. Yeah, it was cool. Why, because it was so close to an airport?
1: Yeah, so it was right, so downtown San Diego, it literally, the planes fly over the amphitheater. And
0: and there's a lot of of military planes there, right? Tons. It's just
1: like a loud place, like, let's do theater in the park.
0: That's Um, awesome, though. Yeah, it was cool. I was at a film festival six months ago for a film that I produced, a fashion film, and we were at La Jolla international oh, nice. lo- that was my first time out there i loved it
1: yeah la jolla is where i usually surf la jolla shores. la jolla is incredible. incredible it was really
0: something remarkable it's over insane.
1: there it's so pretty that's the thing california is so beautiful it like really what it's a good place to go for vacations and to heal your brain if you want to get a lot done so so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no yeah. that's
0: well put i agree yeah. i was just there a few weeks ago working yeah. with the same team on another project and yeah, uh, yeah it was.
1: Really it's good. remarkable with the amount of beauty there's a part of me that misses that that spiritual sense of like sunsets and water palm and, trees yeah palm trees <laughs> yeah. trees stuff yeah it's really yeah. a beautiful place so I, I love that i have both but i now officially this year is my exact i've lived in california as long as i have in new york that's Where wild I, reach, I don't know is there a name for that like you're
0: you're uh, you're a full New Yorker for Jeez.
1: sure. oh my gosh, yeah. They say if you're
0: yeah. here longer than ten years, then <gasps> you're a New Yorker. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's been good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So did you grow up watching movies and being into movies? And
1: yeah, I did. It's funny because I have another film, another short film. that We'll get to Wicked Image. I have. <laughs>
0: Wicked okay, image. I'll tell you about in a second, but cool. I,
1: it reminded me of something from California. But yeah, so I yeah I grew up watching films. Like <laughs> we had a beta. You remember the beta? Things? Oh yeah, the Betamax. The Betamax. I've
0: yeah. heard of them more so than seen them yeah, like i, guess, I grew I up with <laughs> no, i grew up with vhs and we had Bowl, things like that and that's uh, the
1: cusp of it we had yeah. half my beta and then half on vhs and i had so many movies my mom would line them up i would tape everything my yeah. mom my, i have an older brother and he was really good at the tech stuff so we would literally i'd have like caddyshack then weird science and it was like everything was like all yeah and i knew weird I had science a was a
0: classic yeah
1: classic such good the 80s are my jam yeah jam jam but I had a list of all of our films by like category and then I had a list of how you could find it in the house there would be like bookshelves and i would have a list a master list that i wrote out by hand that's pretty organized very organized you could always find like, i wanted to watch anything that actually <laughs> i watched a lot of the same movies for some reason but if i wanted to watch I labyrinth yeah, i yeah. knew where it was like i was on the same tape as i think it's on the same tape as oh the bernie's one the oh, weekend weekend at at bernie's yeah <laughs> just i
0: saw weekend at bernie's too in the movie theater i remember oh, when man. i was a young kid
1: yeah yeah i think i saw the movie theater also yeah
0: yeah and yeah, that's so wild that they made a sequel to that movie. Yeah, right? why? <laughs> the first one was bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's such
1: a bad film. Like, imagine being that actor has to get just carried around. Yeah, like, it's like I'm
0: playing a dead guy. I know. Like in, a sequ- your, in the sequel, not uh, just in the first one.
1: Yeah. Wonder how his career went. I don't know. <laughs>
0: I wonder if he's still alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Think I killed his career. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Did you grow up also going to the cinema a lot?
1: Yeah, since I had an older brother, that was a thing we did. We were ten years apart, so we. Okay. Yeah, it's it like me and my, my
0: sister is ten years younger.
1: Oh wow, yeah. For yeah. Sure. Oh, so you can be like the mentor. Yeah, the mentor figure. Yeah. yeah, my brother definitely loved movies, so we did many a time he would take me to a rated X movie and he'd sneak me in. I remember one. Rated time, X scandal. I'm uh, sorry. No, <laughs> never mind. Sorry, rated R. <laughs> X. It's okay. (laughs) In a whole new direction. (laughs) Rated R. And he bought me a ticket to go to see I think it was like I don't know, some, some like cartoon. But then actually we had to go see Predator instead. And it yeah. scared me and gave me nightmares. And I remember we had this little hack. Like I would walk in with my like kid's ticket and I would go into the bathroom and then he'd go into the bathroom and then he'd go in the theater and then I would just follow. That's, that was my hack back then. That's because awesome. we thought, because he was underage. He was like 16 or whatever. Yeah. I was six. I was six. Yeah. <laughs> I see Predator. I got major and still have nightmares from Aliens because I saw it too young. Yeah. I think I was like seven. And I remember That's just That's the James so Cameron scared. one. So scary. The part two. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. That one. Wow. <laughs>
0: the first movie I remember seeing in the theater when I was five years old was Red Dawn. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
1: Wow. Significant filmmaking. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like here's a great film. Yeah. You're a child. Five. You said five. Yeah. Six? I five think I was five. Old? Yeah. That's little. Who took you there?
0: I think my, I think I went with my whole entire family. I think a lot of people. That's yeah. That's went. filmmaking. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I was, I remember, I think I was 13 or twelve or thirteen when Forrest Gump came out. Oh, so good. And, and that was a great movie to see in the theater. But what happened was when we went to go see it, for some reason, like everybody in my family can like my aunts and uncles and different people. And there was a problem. It was this is actually on Lowe's on the Upper wow. West Side, on oh, West yeah. 80s, in the on yeah. on Broadway. Yeah. On yeah. And What happened was there was some sort of weird technical error that the movie was delayed forever and ever, half an hour or 45 minutes. So then when everybody walked outside, they gave everybody two tickets, two free comp tickets to go to the movies. And then all my relatives gave them to me. What? Yeah. So like I was, yeah, it was a major score. Wow, And so you were we five. I was twelve. When, twelve, okay, yeah. This is okay, Forrest different. Gump. Okay. Oh, yeah. Forrest Gump, yeah. gifted yeah. the family. I was gifted the comp family comp tickets, comp tickets, the free tickets. That's and when you
1: know you're a filmmaker. At that point, you're like, I have to go into this. World. Yeah, it was incredible. <laughs> I meant to be. Yeah, and so but I saw a lot of tickets. I
0: saw a lot of movies yeah, growing up in the theater. I saw, I remember because yeah, I had an uncle that took me a lot. My dad took me a lot on Tuesdays. It was always like bargain Tuesday night or whatever. Yeah, and. Yeah, I saw the Lost Boys when it came wow. out in the movie theater. I saw Edward Scissorhands. So good, that was a good I one. I see. that film. Lethal Weapon 2, like yeah. just great movies.
1: Yeah, good stuff. It was different back then. I feel like for some reason it was just a different kind of. I don't know. There was a just a different. It image was different. Films. I think because we didn't have. We didn't see it before streaming. It's like you were waiting to see it at the theater. Yeah. I
0: agree. And I think even watching movies at home it was like, I don't know how it was in your family, but in our family, it was like, all right, let's turn off the lights. Yeah. Let's make the popcorn. It was like, it's there a was thing. a, there was a ritual to it. Yeah.
1: It was total ritual. And
0: everybody's locked in, not, hey, we're watching it, but checking your cell phone. And- yeah.
1: yeah. That's right. It was totally, there was a sense of collectiveness. Like people were doing it together and focused.
0: Yeah. Do you have some sort of policy? I know some performers have policies where people can't be on the phone when- or perform, do you have that at all? Yeah,
1: what's interesting in because the Betty Davis show is theater, people have better behavior in general. Okay, like that's they, good. Sometimes people will get loud. La- like I have, a, uh, sometimes I do it when I'm not traveling around the country. I do it on the Upper West Side on West 72nd Street at the Triad Theater. Cool. And that was cool. I'll let you know when I do it again. Yeah. That particular space, you, they can order food. <laughs> so sometimes you'll hear like the crinkling of Oh, fire. okay. And I just have to remember, they don't realize how loud it is. Like yeah, they're just enjoying the show. Right. Like you hear stuff like that. But most of the time, my audiences are really engaged yeah. and i have to remember there's sometimes an audience that laughs at jokes sometimes they're a listening audience and the listening audiences sometimes you're like do you like me but they're really just listening there's different kinds of audiences and i think in theater so far people do come with a little bit of i'm going to the theater i'm going to go watch i'm going to yeah. like focus i actually at this point Rarely have the phone go off because I make a joke about it. I say in 1939 there were no cell phones, so please silence yours.
0: Oh yeah, that's smart. Before yeah. the show.
1: so at least you get a phone, and then because Betty Davis, the character, would make fun of phones in the middle of a show. If a phone goes off, I do make fun of it, and okay. I wait for them. to Oh, turn it I like
0: I like that. Yeah, so you, it's interactive slightly like Yeah, that. if yeah. someone
1: sneezes, I say good tight because it's theater. That's awesome. Of like the audience is part of that show. You saw the version on the film version, but that was during COVID. Like that particular. Yeah filmed version, I didn't have an audience. I missed having an audience. Yeah, that was done during COVID. I was thinking about the other day. I was like, wow, that was such a weird time. It was twenty twenty. We all were wearing masks before I started the show. We all took our to make sure we all didn't have COVID. Like I did it during this weird downtime, but it was totally one of those things i couldn't stop thinking about i felt like i had to film it for some reason and because all the streaming platforms were looking for content i didn't mean to it's like i made a feature film during covid like i basically just filmed a show i've been doing for so long and that was an amazing experience because it was during covid but like the woman lauren patelis who did my hair she's like a broadway she works on broadway that's what she does but during covid people weren't working. So you got a really interesting team together. That Land is stash.
0: fascinating. I would have not known that there wasn't an audience because you yeah. performed it with <laughs> like, the level of energy as if there was. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the
1: thing that's also true about theater is you have to keep your energy up. Otherwise, you literally can see it flatline.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a such a different type so of performing. Energy. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: 36 pages of dialogue compared to a line in a movie. Like, it is such a different beast. Yeah. But I love them both, obviously
0: aside from the shorts that i've seen have you done a lot of film and tv work
1: yeah i was on blue bloods as we all were nice. Madsen, contusions and the That's says a jerk ass boyfriend beat her up she's in 12a that was yeah. my nurse role oh okay uh, <laughs> cool yeah i yeah. was on claws which is i got to go to new orleans to film that cloak and dagger another free for, abc freeform. i got to go to new orleans again for that one it was in the movie annie i play a reporter what's her name her name is annie that was nice. one of my first feature films. That's um, cool. and yeah, And yeah, I'm, I'm always focusing. I'm focusing more on film and TV now. I love filmmaking and doing my own work. I do really want to be silly. I, ha- I live in New York. How have I not been like on Law & Order? So this is 2023. It will happen. Yeah. I have to be on Law & Order. I'm lawyer. confident Come, I know. Yeah, there's you, so many of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on. But no, I've been actually focusing a lot on comedy. Like my next film has... We didn't know it was funny. So my next film is Wicked Image. And that that film, we just started doing like the film festival circuit. And I'm amazed at how many people laugh out loud for that particular film. I'm not sure why that is. What is Wicked Image about? Yeah, so it's about, okay. So it's about three women who are sick of the world, think of their men. Lucifer, the devil, and Satan. So they go to a PR firm They get get to get their image fixed, and they find out the PR firm is more evil than they are. So I I play Satine, a.k.a. Satan. There's Lucy, Lucifer, and then the devil is DeVille. So it's this really interesting play on, like, why are the devils men? Like, why do we assume they're always men? So it's this fun, like, highly stylized, I wear this beautiful red fur coat. Like, it is a very stylized world. And the jokes are landing so well, in audiences, like we had our first big audience was at Beaufort International Film Festival. If you haven't been to that, it's amazing. They have okay, over two hundred people in their audience. Where is it? Beaufort, South Carolina. Okay, cool. Nice. And it's like the coolest thing because they have their own audience who actually comes to that beautiful, it's a beautiful It's a beautiful, like on the water kind of place. But their people come every year. There's one guy's I've been coming to this festival for ten years, but they laugh out loud and loud and I was shocked after COVID because it was like the first real festival I'd gone to that was like I'd seen you at Yofi but things Yofi <laughs> sorry Yofi oh <All> good <laughs> but I had seen I hadn't really been out to a festival until that festival and like it felt so good to have people laugh out loud and I just did we just did Coney Island Film Festival I was in Block Island Film Festival last month mu- last weekend yeah for Wicked in Image and like yeah yeah, and that was, a, was that? another. Oh man, I had I got a moped.
0: That's pretty cool. I
1: know I got a moped, and those are the things of this filmmaker like weekends away. Like you get to do things you normally would never do. And Block Island, I'd heard about it, I never went there, and then going there as a filmmaker and like just be like I'm a filmmaker. Like, oh, here's your discount. Yes, like, it nice. was cool. It was very cool. That cool. Uh, but they have a great festival too. I've so far all the festivals we've been to with Wicked Image, they've it's getting programmed in the comedy section, which is really cool too because I'm seeing funny comedies. And often in filmmaking, everything's so serious. Serious. Um,
0: I like to blend comedy and drama.
1: Yeah. Dramedy.
0: Yeah. Or just, I don't know. I see the humor in a lot of things. Yeah. Like Goodfellas is a gangster movie, but it plays almost like a comedy. True. Yeah. <laughs> in that's a lot true. of parts of it. It's definitely. hysterical. Yeah.
1: Definitely. It's good to have that too, to have the balance. Yeah. You know, really, I love the balance. I think when someone gets that balance, it's so incredible. Yes, you're so smart. Yes. Oh.
0: You watch the show Succession? I do. So oh, good. Such right? a good show. Yeah. That show was great. Was I'm happy great. we had that show. When Same. I, I think it was like, a it hit on some sort of cultural pulse, I feel. Like.
1: Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Just seeing it in New York, I feel like New York for so long didn't have a lot of TV that was really good. Yeah. And there's so many good actors here. It's been nice to see good actors, good acting in a good show here in New York. And hopefully we get more shows like that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I like, know that was incredible. More. My sister works on the show in the costume department oh no way yeah families everywhere yeah (laughs) that's so cool yeah that's great yeah Yeah. no so i promised her that i would first watch it and it took me a couple for some reason it took me a couple of episodes to get into it because i "I don't know i don't know about this show because i couldn't connect with any of the characters and then i feel like the key for me understanding and loving that show was oh it's actually hysterical it's yeah it's i appreciated it as a comedy yeah. And then, of course, there's so much dramatic things. You start being invested into the characters and it was so well written and yeah. the acting is incredible, but yeah. it's also so funny as well. There's it's so many so funny, funny. Mon- moments throughout that show.
1: Yeah. It's good to laugh and just to be able to like, especially after I feel like after pandemic, there was so much, there's so much stuff. So it's nice to be able to feel like we can laugh again. And yeah. like, there's been a lot of content, which is nice. I feel like during COVID also two things, people found out ways to make their own stuff and I know I was (laughs) at home, like with all that time, just had time to make. I was making a bunch of sketches at home on my iPhone. Oh yeah. I was like writing character sketches and having them edited and I ended up looking on Mandy.com I was like I need a comedy editor and this gentleman, Brian, he was like, Yeah, I'm not busy. My day job the kind of I can't do it right now. And Brian Crum is the editor for SNL. <laughs> oh yeah. So he was like not busy and he edited a few of my sketches. And it was like this level of I'm in pandemic. This person doesn't have anything to do. And he was like, Thanks so much for sending me I don't I'm just not busy right now. Thanks so much for creating content. And I'm like That's amazing. What? Yeah, it was cool. It was that was cool.
0: super cool. Going back to Wicked Image, who who is the director?
1: Yeah, so Caitlin Shearer, not to be confused with Jessica Sure. Yeah. It's funny. It's very funny. So Caitlin Shearer and I, we've been friends for years, and we actually wrote a feature film script about Betty Davis together. And during that process, we were gonna film a piece of the Betty Davis film, and then after realizing how expensive it would be, we decided, you know what, let's just do a short film, something different because we wanted to have the exercise to to do something together. And Caitlin's an amazing writer, and she's a first-time director. So she wrote, produced, and then she directed Wicked Image. And she was, she's so ahead of the curve. Like, she on set was just a badass. It was incredible to see how, even for a first-time director, she was so prepared and, like, just, she never took it for granted. She came so prepared, over-prepared, in the best of ways. And we all felt so grateful that here it is that someone like it's our first time doing something never took it for granted that's awesome yeah we were really lucky that we had such a good team we had other issues in filmmaking with like other departments but overall the film works it just works and it's good because we need to have something together and i love this each film is your own little family it's like you have film this family film that family so that's been it's been good to have that because that was my first time producing from like level zero because I was like hey do you want to write a script she's like my si- she has a twin sister and a twin sister gives her a prompt on Fridays about writing something and the prompt was what if I think it was like what if the devils were women or what if the devils were three or something and so she basically used that idea and she wrote a script based off of that prompt wow and then we ended up filming it and so then it, is I is your then,
0: sister in the business as well
1: no she's not she's like a mom of three but she's really good about reading her scripts and uh, yeah yeah that's
0: pretty cool yeah and how did you and Caitlin first meet each other?
1: We met at I think God, how did we meet? I forgot. It's been week we actually met think 2014, 2013.
0: Yeah, just through the oh, great I know. Fun. You
1: know It was through like a woman's event. It was like a filmic event. And oh, I remember it's actually oh my goodness, I hadn't thought about this. It was a gentleman who's unfortunately since then passed away, but his name was Robert Fingerman, and he was an accountant. And he used to have these elaborate, beautiful dinners, and he'd invite different people. And his idea was he wanted to connect people up, but he would go to like amazing places. And I remember we were at that Churrascaria. It's on like Forty Seventh Street or Forty Eighth Street, it's like that place yeah. where you left the sign to get more meat.
0: Oh, hey, yeah, like meat. a Brazilian place. Yeah,
1: exactly. So there was like fifty of us. I didn't. Mean, no, there wasn't fifty. It was like thirty. As a lot of people. Yeah. And he, she had sat her on one side of the table. I had sat on the other side. But I was wearing this nineteen thirties hat, and she kept looking over at my nineteen thirties hat. She finally. We finally connect. She said, I love your hat. Because <laughs> I used to wear, like, only 1930s clothes. I now, since then, I've, I'm no longer wearing ni- only 1930s clothes. But there was a time in my life where I, like, would only leave the house with, like, gloves and a hat.
0: When and, you like, were, like... Full tilt in the Betty full Davis thing. Full
1: tilt. <laughs> I would not. I would leave with like full dress, like full jacket. Like I looked like I was a step out of the nineteen thirties. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. we met at that, and then we became friends. It's like you do in New York. Let's meet up for coffee, and we just connected in such a good way. And I was so impressed because she's such a good writer. I was like, wow, you're really good. And she had, she's she she. We were both we both got to New York at the same time too. So we're, she's younger than I am, but she just has like where fire. She from? New Jersey yeah oh no I'm sorry she lives in New Jersey now she's originally from Minnesota oh okay yeah. gotcha so she yeah she came from Minnesota to that's like, like my friend
0: my friend Greg Blake who's also a writer director that i yeah. worked with a bunch of times he's from Minnesota yeah Minnesota
1: yeah, Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. did you ever see yeah. Fargo of course yeah, yeah. I, I want to be Fargo man yeah, like yeah.
0: Fargo. Yeah, yeah 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 it's a great movie
1: yeah
0: yeah are you a fan of the Coen brothers I am yeah
1: yeah, yeah. I'm a fan of any good filmmaker yeah. yeah that's it's a so good way to put it yeah that's how
0: I am too Yeah. Who's your
1: favorite? Do you have a favorite? It's hard to say these days.
0: I think Stanley Kubrick might be one of my, is my favorite because I'm just the most impressed by him. I'm like, he was just (sighs) so far ahead of his time that it was, it's mind blowing. -blowing. And it's hard to fully appreciate unless you see some of his work on the big screen. Because I remember when I was in the seventh grade, my teacher like brought in a VHS tape. He's like, I want you guys to watch 2001 a space odyssey. Like, and then- Wow. I couldn't give a shit about the movie at that time. Or maybe I was in the ninth grade, actually. Okay. Yeah, because it was like freshman year of high school. Yeah, And I just wasn't, I was totally checked out. And then I tried watching that movie again, even at home, like renting it on DVD and just watching it. And I'm just like, I don't know. I just, I can't connect with this movie. And then I saw it once they were doing a screening at the IFC Center. And I saw it on this huge screen and I was just fucking hooked. Like every moment of the film, I felt connected with what Kubrick was trying to convey. And I was like, this is so beyond, this is incredible that he had done it 50 years earlier. It's insane. It's it's basically concepts that people are talking about now. Were we seeded by uh, extraterrestrials? Yep. these kind of like weird big questions yeah. and about consciousness and about the evolution of humans and he was just tackling that
1: right in yeah.
0: artificial intelligence which is really which on the rise insane. now yeah it's insane
1: like how did he know <laughs> yeah i think as creatives, you're in you're if you're into your intuition like it's in there somewhere there's yeah. some sort of way. I always, it's funny because I, I love Julia Cameron. I don't know if you ever read like The Artist Way, but she talks a lot about. No, you know, but I will read like, it. Yeah. Oh, it's it'll change your life, like game changing. It's basically like a 12-step uh, program of unlocking your creative blocks, which you don't even realize the creative, like how many times you've run into the same creative block and you just run the opposite way, opposed to let's go through it. And on the other side, it's a much bigger world. But she talks so much about you have to be in tune with like you are, you, you universe god whatever you want to call it but like universe is giving you what you need you have it it's just up to us to release it and create whatever we have to create from it
0: i know steven pressfield talks about those concepts in the book the war of art yeah which totally. is a great book Absolutely, yeah, great book. So, yeah, yeah. but i'll check out do the it. book that you mentioned yeah
1: it's so good they used to do in the 90s they used to have meetup groups and people would do the book together because it's like a workbook oh it's okay. a challenge that yeah if you ever want to do it yeah, we I'm down. Through.
0: I'm totally down. Do it. Because I think one thing that attracted me to filmmaking is that it's such a collaborative medium. It's totally. It truly is. It's It's a lot of times directors get arguably more credit than they deserve, but it's really about being the conductor of these different, the cinematographer, the performers, of course, yeah. the production designer. Production design is something that is so important to filmmaking that yep. people probably take for granted that, yeah. you know, don't even... Yeah that are first starting out you could almost tell but uh, yep yeah there's so many departments and like the sound and it's just it's i just think it's awesome how all these things come together to create it
1: yeah definitely it's it is it's a tribal experience yeah
0: yeah so i would say let's first of all tell us about what's next on the agenda for you what's you're currently in the festival circuit with this current film right yeah and that's really cool i Really excited to check it out. Yeah, and Wicked I, Image, Wicked yeah.
1: Image, yeah. That's so that's on the festival circuit now, which is early. We've only been to like four or five festival. Yeah, we what's the running before. time of the film? It's eight minutes, twelve seconds. Perfect. That's so, a perfect yeah. running time for Once sure. We, hey, hey, filmmaker folks, make sure you get under ten minutes, and like that is so much better to submit when you, you have, have such a better film. chance. I always tell. Yep.
0: Yeah, my friends. Yeah, as our well.
1: cut was eighteen minutes, and then went down to twelve, and then we got to eight, and I was like, "Oh, tight." That
0: takes guts to. Get, cut it down from 18 oh, to yeah. 8. I love that. <laughs> yeah, people yeah.
1: lost out, but whatever. You realize you, we had so much more, but the, the so much more didn't help the story.
0: No, you have to yeah. serve the story. Yeah. I agree. So yeah. sometimes you got to kill your darlings, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. You know.
1: So I want to do stand up next. I think I've been saying it for a long nice. time. So I need to do some sort of comedy with that. And I know there's a series to be written about. Th- th- there's something in me that's bursting, and I'm not sure what it is yet. But I, I'm, I'm ready to write something new. Yeah. And just do something filmmaking forward because I just I love creating the filmmaking process. My like, goal I in like life actor, is to be a like,
0: ghostwriter for stand up comedians. Oh, really? Ooh, I because I I come up with such I feel like I come up with great things. Yeah. But yeah. th- they're not just on the fly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> True. So scripted. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like I could write for yeah. for stand up comedians, but yeah. I just don't
1: Yeah. There's always time to collaborate. Yeah. You find ways to do it and you never know. That's I know I want to stay in I love comedy, so I'm focusing a lot on comedy and
0: I love comedy too. And it's funny because I thought I was gonna first be a comedy type of filmmaker. Yeah. My first yeah. uh, filmmaking, my first like things with the camera, I was filming these different comedians in New York City and that's also a small world and yeah. I feel like all of them know each other and, yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, yeah, and then I used to hang out at like improv theater. I used to hang out at the pit a lot. Oh God, yes. Yeah. We probably saw each other at the We pit. probably did, we yeah.
1: It would have. That was such a good time. Yeah. Was Were you great. hanging
0: out there like 2011, 2012? Yep. Yeah, yeah, I, had I was a, hanging out there a lot during the, those days.
1: Yeah, I bet you we, because I, I used to love, they used to have a grilled cheese, and I would always, after class, go get a grilled cheese, a beer, and then I would do the Monday night or the Wednesday night jam session. Nice. It was so fun. That yeah. was a great space. Yeah. Is, it, is it still there? I don't know. <laughs>
0: I don't even, I, I think it's not. Oh. Maybe they, I'm not 100% sure, but it was a great space. Yeah. I'm My, just
1: looking because I have a new project that I'm doing tomorrow, but I just want to make sure that I get the title
0: correct. Oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely.
1: I want to make sure I don't miss, miss say this. Yeah. So I'm helping. So I have a recently I met a new person. I just don't know in New York, I was at a party and someone heard my voice and she goes, your voice. I was like, what? I was like, I don't sing. She, No, I actually have a musical, but I love your voice. You'd be perfect for this one character. So I actually, tomorrow I'm in the studio with them and they're doing like a Broadway recording, their first Broadway recording to hopefully raise money for something called Mars 2076. And I'll be playing, one of my characters is pretty badass. She's like, Governor, L- let me make sure I say this right. Governor Leonard. Okay. Governor Leonard. I'll be playing. Yeah, that. cool. So I get to, that's fun too because I would just realized that just happened. You yeah. never know. It just happened. And now that's all of a sudden, amazing. I'm part of this new little community of ama- and the music's beautiful too. And, I wish I sang. I don't. And I wish I did. But I always get offered like musical things. I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't sing. So yeah. at least this, I'm offered a musical thing. I only have to talk. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. yeah. You
0: never, It's never too late to start something new.
1: It's true. I bought a ukulele also yeah. recently. And I want to learn how to play ukulele, write songs. And I'm going to sing them in my own little voice. Oh, that's pretty cool. I just keep it like yeah. ukulele voice. Not like Broadway voice. Yeah. That's funny. Ukulele is funny. Yeah. No. It's, u- yeah. Ukulele.
0: Yeah. That's also a subculture Right there, too. Absolutely. There's <laughs> a movie to be made about that. <laughs> like, female, <uke. laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Shout out to my former film student, Emilio, who plays the ukulele. I've seen him. I've really? seen you on Instagram, Emilio, playing the uke. Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
1: Nice. Okay. I'll check him out on Insta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Insta ukes. There's Yeah. Yeah. Cool.
0: I have to admit, in full disclosure, I... It's like I know who Betty Davis is, but I don't think I've seen, I can't say yeah. that I've seen movies with Betty Davis. Yeah. Which one, if I were going to watch a Betty Davis film, yeah but it seems like, like you were like that before Me people too. were coming up to you on the street because you had to wikipedia her it's not like you were instantly familiar with her whole body of work right
1: no i was embarrassed because i didn't know her and she was like a prolific actor of the 30s i know rod 40s. stewart has the song right yeah like kim Carnes, but oh he's got betty davis out. oh okay
0: why don't i think that was rob stewart
1: he might have he might mention betty davis but I thought done. that was a
0: Rod Stewart song. It's somebody else. It's
1: Kim Carnes. Kim Carnes. Kim Carnes had a one-hit wonder. She's got Betty Davis eyes. Good. Maybe that there's
0: some it. Mandela effect where yep. in another universe Rod Stewart is singing that song.
1: Absolutely. Probably in Mars fi- 2076. Are, are
0: you familiar with the Mandela effect? No. Have you? Oh, you haven't heard of this? No. This is a fucking rabbit hole. So there's a lot of people look this up. The Mandela effect. Okay. Um stunned that you haven't heard of this actually uh, maybe a lot of people haven't heard of this but there's a lot of people that'll think that something happened and and they're like did we cross timelines here like some people so they called it the mandela effect because i think the it got popularized when nelson mandela was still alive they're like a lot of people believe that nelson mandela died in the year 1990 they're like and there's this mass amount of people that are like, yeah, I distinctly remembered that he died in the year nineteen ninety. And some people remember it that way, some people remember it the other way. That's a big one. Another big one is Hmm. from Star Wars. A lot of people remember a line, Luke, I am your father, Darth Vader, saying that. And then he doesn't say that. And what? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And even James Earl Jones is in on an interview saying Luke when I read the script and it said Luke I am your father but it just says I am your father he doesn't say Luke I am your father and what even though there's like mugs and stuff like that says Luke I am your father
1: I thought it too I thought it was Luke I I thought it was too wow
0: and then there's there's another big one is the Berenstein bears that a lot of people think that it was spelled like Berenstein, s-t-e-i-n but it's actually spelled baron stain s-t-a-i-n what yeah and they're like what like i could have sworn they're like i had the name was steen and i read those books like and i was like whoa that's a similar name to mine and now it says stain like i would have known that absolutely yeah
1: wow yeah conspiracy no it's just a theory it's just it's It's a theory some people some
0: people you know some people think obviously and most likely it's just nothing it's just people remembering things the wrong way and just oh i could have sworn it was like this and It just actually wasn't, but some people go deeper and they're thinking that like particle collider at CERN in Switzerland altered our timeline. (laughs) Wow. That's deep. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That's another way to go. I know. That's another way to go. uh, I just made a mistake. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that's the Mandela effect in a nutshell. Thanks. Yeah. I'll look it up. Yeah,
1: we'll do Julia Cameron's The Artist Way, and we'll look up the. Okay, yeah, audit. I will. I will definitely yeah. look up The Artist <laughs>
0: Way. So it's, it's a book I could download on Audible. Although it's a, workbook, it's a I workbook, I should. Though. I should probably buy the you're workbook. you to have to and, do both. You have to yeah.
1: listen to it and then do the workbook. Yeah, I have and to buy, buy the all physical the book. Exercises. That's okay. Yeah, you can buy a book.
0: Yeah. All right. So yeah. now we're gonna move on to our one more thing, I guess. Where could people follow along with what you're doing?
1: Yeah, definitely. You can definitely go to my website, which is Jessica Sure, com. That's S H E R R. Or my Betty Davis site is just Betty Davis Ain't For sissies.com. That's Betty with an E. Or nice. my Insta, of course, is just my name, Jessica underscore Sure, S H E R, for all things relative, interesting, and exciting.
0: Wonderful. All right. So now we're going to get to the second portion of the podcast, which is we ask each guest to talk about two of their favorite movie scenes from any films of all time. (laughs) And Jessica chose a scene from one of my favorite movies, which is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I love that movie.
1: Oh my gosh, it's so good.
0: And it's the scene where Cameron, you know what, we're going to try something new on the podcast. I'm going to actually play a clip. Yes. Of of the scene. You sent me the links. Yeah. And they're fairly brief. So yeah. let's see here. I'm going to actually play it. The 1961 Ferrari 250 GT okay. California. Okay. Less than 100 were made. My father spent 3 years restoring this car. It is his love. It is his passion. It is his fault he didn't lock the garage. So Ferris, what are you talking about?
1: Ooh.
0: More beautiful. <laughs> Ferris, my father loves his car more than life itself. A man with priorities so far out of whack doesn't deserve such a fine automobile. Oh, yeah. No, no. Apparently, you don't understand. Wow. Ferris, he never drives it. He just rubs it with a diaper. Hey, remember how insane he went when I broke my retainer? Huh? Come on, that was a little piece of plastic. This is a Ferrari. Bella. Amazing scene. Such Ico- a good scene. Iconic film. So yeah. tell us a little bit. That's, uh, tell us a little bit about it why that scene in particular resonates with you.
1: It always just livens me up. I get so excited with the music and just, I know that the next part is them taking the car out and like just breaking all the boundaries where, you know, (laughs) like that's the dynamic of those two. You have the rule breaker, Ferris, which I always like, Yeah, so cool. I think it's probably why I like that movie so much because he's a rule breaker and he does push boundaries. And I, I loved seeing that in a way that he wasn't like, like, a bad person. Yeah, he wasn't you know?
0: malicious. Yeah. No. Yeah, I, I identified with Ferris myself.
1: Definitely. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: But and I, go ahead. And uh, the actor playing... Cameron, Alan Ruck. Yeah. He's also, shout out to Alan Ruck, who's also had a good run in Succession. Yeah. I was so
1: neat seeing him, like, show up. And I was like, ah! Yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: Like, he did make another, he's had a career. It's so cool to see that he had a career. But, like, to see them so young.
0: And Matthew Broderick is incredible. Yeah, that film is just amazing john I know john hughes word. was really john probably, hughes yeah. if
1: i could go back i would live in chicago and just in the time of john hughes making all those amazing films yeah. in chicago he was yeah. that was his thing he was like chicago he was, was so prolific it. with the breakfast prolific. club and yep uh yep. ferris
0: bueller's Day all like he like in 16 candles he oh did, i right? love
1: six. that's another favorite yeah. 16 candles was so good yeah yeah ducky oh man yeah. i mean like john crier yeah. so many good just I don't know they were rebellious kids in a way I think that's why I liked Ferris He's kind of this rebellious kid and I liked that there was a freedom about him and yeah. that movie was so free and the idea of leaving the way that they leave they leave high school like they get out it's just yeah there's a lot of and I love the music the music the really music drops you in yeah I like
0: even the some of the other songs that aren't the more like that song beat city yeah. plays like when he leaves yeah. the high school <laughs> yeah when they're dancing in the parade it's just oh, i love that parade they yeah. would do a parade yeah. There was for a
1: while i was like one day i want to be in a parade and i almost got to do it i had the opportunity i was performing in chicago the betty davis show and they had a sunday parade it's just the time the parade would have i would have been on the float would have been the same time of my show but i came so close to being on a parade oh uh, that would have been cool yeah it, one day one day, day one day one day yeah yeah, yeah that's a great film yeah.
0: great film and yeah. Uh, yeah, very well directed, great writing, and yeah, I had yeah.
1: A, a picture in college of him in the car, and that quote—the whole quote was like on, like on my wall. Like everyone probably had like heartthrobs. No, I had Ferris Bueller. And <laughs> it
0: also there were some bold choices in that film. Cameron's existential crisis that yeah. happens like at the end of the film, that yeah. like like toward Cam. the end of the film when he jumps into the pool.
1: Yeah, yeah. Cam, are you okay? Yeah, um, yeah.
0: <laughs> and that's that's not the on the nose sort of thing to do. With such, with such a film with that kind of tone. Yeah. But it worked completely. Yeah. It works. Know? It works. Yeah. Yeah. Good All stuff. right. Good stuff. What's so next? So next is The Goonies. Of
1: course. I know. It's just, but it just is. And you said, what are your favorite films? Yeah. These films bring me so much joy. Oh, the Goonies. I was just such a, again. Hey, gotta wait, wait, stop, stop. Why can't do this. Why? Because these are somebody else's wishes. They're somebody else's dreams.
0: Yeah, but you know what? This one right here—this was my dream, my
1: wish, and it didn't come true. So I'm taking it back, I'm taking them all back. All right. Yeah.
0: So tell us about the scene and why it resonates with you so much.
1: Yeah, I think it was about this idea of having a dream that doesn't always come true, and these kids like believing so much that they can save their town by going on a, like a treasure hunt that they feel that they have so much passion to do that. And that one scene is this moment where they could have stopped and they didn't they end up continuing on there. Like, treasure hunt but i love i don't know there's something so beautiful about the idea of picking up a penny out of just so many people throw their pennies and those dreams and it's just a penny But we've all done that where you've been in a fountain you throw your penny and you make your dream and they some come true and some don't but we have this giant belief that that penny has the power to create a dream and that idea of putting your dreams somewhere into the universe again i'm all about put your dreams out there it'll it'll happen so i think i i think that scene does it it does for a moment, say so I'm taking it back, but still they end up on this. Obviously, <laughs> they find the treasure and it all works out. Yeah, um, and it's in the '80s again. The movies in the '80s were so good and just, oh, yeah. All those actors have gone on to do such. I was going to say stuff. Data.
0: Date the actor playing yeah. Data is having a resurgence right now because he was in everything, everywhere. Oh, all right, at once. all at
1: once. That's right. Yeah, yeah. All, all I was looking actors. up his
0: name. I was trying to.
1: Yeah, Shawn Michael, Corey Hain, Corey Feldman, the brother. He's a huge actor now.
0: He Hui Kwan, is it? He that? Hui Kwan. Go yeah. He Hui Kwan. Yeah. Yeah, because he, he was also in. Uh, Deanna Jones.
1: Yeah. Dr. Jones. Dr. Jones. So yeah. good. So Young yeah. yeah, Clyde's coming back. Yeah, but those kids were great, and they were all. Great,
0: yeah. Just as an ensemble, I were. love ensemble pieces too. Yeah. So I
1: think that was partially why I really enjoyed it because this ensemble of kooky characters.
0: Were you a fan of the movie The Lost Boys?
1: Yeah, I was, but it, it was a different kind of fandom. Oh, yeah. It was a little. The leeches freaked me out. That, that's the one they. Oh have. no, no! no, stand no you're thinking Stand by Me. Yeah, that's stand by I Me. I love Stand by Me. Yeah, see, for me, the leeches scared me, but yeah, no, The Lost Boys that was, right, freaky. was good. Yeah, yeah, very good. That was that time period of really good, such good stuff. Movies, stuff yeah. you saw at a theater <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or on your Beta tape or your VHS. And,
0: and a lot of it holds up. I mean, yeah. there's certainly movies that don't hold up, but these particular ones absolutely do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. funny because on my beta of Goonies, there's a scene that got taken out later on where there was this giant, when they got to the actual ship, they were, they all jump into the water. And in the beta version, there's a octopus that they have to fight. And when later on, when it came out on VHS, the octopus was gone. And if you watch it now, anytime it streams, there, the octopus was taken out for some That's reason. That's wild. Like, why was it taken out?
0: I don't think I've ever watched the beta yeah. Was there any discernible difference between beta and VHS?
1: Beta was really big.
0: But like when you're wa- when you're actually like watching, was it better?
1: I don't think so. I think VHS was better. I oh, think beta was more, I, I could be totally wrong. Filmmakers, yeah. sorry if I'm wrong, but I don't, th- I think VHS was more clear. Yeah. I think beta tend to be a little more like grainy yeah. is the difference and there's i think that's what that v- changed there's yeah. a reason
0: that vhs won yes. yeah i yeah. think so
1: i think the film was better on vhs
0: yeah <laughs> i know for a minute there was laser discs there was a
1: second of that yeah there's a second like a of that. little like blip and, no. and they're
0: like wait a minute <laughs> i don't know if people want to buy these discs the size of phonographic records yeah so, yeah a lot of space,
1: <laughs> <laughs> lot of space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and then
0: yeah now it's all physical media has I guess there's pros and cons about that.
1: Yeah, I love the idea of not having to schlep it around, but it's also sad you don't have the physical content anymore. Well, like, there, Yeah, there some. was a whole
0: culture of, like when I was a kid and buying music, even with music, Yeah, So it was just like even buying CDs and looking at the liner notes. Yeah, oh. taking
1: it out and reading, like, you yeah. know, you the actual physical copy of, yeah, that was exciting, or like breaking it and having to go buy another, like, you had to, the plastic broke you have to go buy another plastic <laughs> yeah to buy exactly one. Yeah. yeah there's something about that physical touch
0: yeah but stuff. now th- when I
1: move it's much better now I have a box of that's books that's true there's less, <laughs> less physical the items <laughs> yeah
0: but then there's also less sort of special features like DVDs we're doing director's commentaries I learned yeah. so much about filmmaking from watching movies with the director's commentaries yeah, yeah. definitely
1: definitely yeah like, I think Criterion still does that the Criterion channel or something oh they do, do they that. do that I think they do yeah. I think it's what they do yeah. They have a so they have a it.
0: streaming channel, but then you could put on some sort of track and I then I'll have the so.
1: I probably should not have said that. I'm probably so wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll look I into made it
1: that up. It was the, no, that's the Mandela. The, effect. the Mandela effect. <laughs> <laughs> it um, you although father. it
0: should be, you're putting it out there into the universe. So if yeah. it doesn't exist, it should exist. Okay, good. Oh um, the criterion. We're throwing, we're throwing our penny into the well there. <laughs> that's right. Uh-huh. <laughs> my <laughs> dream, my wish. <laughs> taking it back, taking it all back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jessica, I so appreciate you being on the Film Situation Podcast. Thank you for being here today.
1: Thanks. This is great. So much fun. All right. Thank you for listening to the Film
0: Situation Podcast, hosted by Zef Cota, executive producer Jeff Cutler, original music by Yuri Ryabak.